0: Welcome to the Actual Fluency Podcast. Each week you'll find inspirational, motivational interviews with some of the world's best language learners, industry experts, all trying to help you to learn foreign languages better, faster, and more efficiently. And here we go. If you're looking for a language teacher to enhance your language learning, then I highly recommend italki. Italki is the world's biggest tutoring platform, and you can find thousands of teachers and tutors at very reasonable prices. Get a free lesson after completing your first lesson by going to languageteacher.co. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 160 of the Actual Fluency podcast. And today I'm bringing back Steve Kaufman on the podcast, who was last on in 2014 on episode 5. So it's been five years since I last talked to Steve on the podcast. Since then, I've met him a few times in uh, Canada. I met him at the Langfest. And we're going to meet again in August, where we're going to be going to Montreal and have a good time there. And I also met him in Bratislava in 2017 for the pilot gathering so even though he hasn't been on the show I've still had the opportunity to talk to him And in case you don't know who Steve Kaufman is, uh, who are you? Uh, Is this your first uh, language learning podcast? If it is, welcome. That's really exciting as well. But uh, I think most people know Steve for his... He's done so much work in the industry. He's got one of the most popular YouTube channels about learning languages. He's the founder of Link, a a software that helps you learn language. Amazing talent as well. Steve speaks a lot of languages and he keeps learning new ones. And as we get into... It's not really about how many languages you know, and it's not really, you know, if somebody says, oh, I I know 15 languages, it doesn't mean that they can just whip out 15 languages and have a really high-level conversation. There's always going to be different times when the language is stronger and weaker. But as Steve points out, it's all about having fun, and it is kind of a catch-up episode, and we get around quite a few topics related to language learning, and Steve also shares a few strategies on how you can use software link to... um, to really elevate your language learning so uh, go give it a try and otherwise enjoy the episode and I'll see you in the next one well Steve you're one of the most known faces in the Polyglot community (laughs) and through your uh, work on YouTube Um, and um, it's such a pleasure to uh, bring you back again for another episode as I just said before we started recording it's been over five years since our last episode together which was in April of two thousand and 14, so uh, it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to catching up, but first of all, for the few people who might not have heard of you, do you just want to give a quick bio of who you are, where you're from, and what you've been up to?
1: Okay, well, I live in Vancouver, and uh, for most of my career, I was in the lumber business. The lumber business took me, and and, and prior to that, briefly, I was a diplomat for seven years in the lumber business, and with that, I lived in Hong Kong, and learned Chinese, and lived in Japan, and learned Japanese and then uh, got interested in languages of course i studied in france so i had french and then i just discovered i enjoyed learning languages and have always wherever i had the opportunity i've I've learned languages and of course i did business in europe germany spain sweden and so i learned a bunch of languages and then uh, 12 13 years ago uh, when i was more or less retired or semi-retired i started a website called link with my son um, and that's a whole long story we won't we won't get into that but that has really gotten me into language learning in the last 12-13 years to an extent that i never was before uh, because once i have that tool and i want to use it so i've learned in fact 11 languages in the last 12-13 years working on turkish right now <laughs> fantastic and, but, not that i speak them off fluently by no means but i enjoy learning exploring languages yes. and of course i have a, web, I have a youtube channel and I have a blog, and 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 of course link. And So I, it's become like a second career, not a remunerative career. Well, I say that, but uh, anyway, it's a patent.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I just want to tell the story of the first episode. I can't remember if I told it. Uh, probably, I told it in Montreal for sure. I don't know you if you were in the audience at that time, but anyway, I'll I'll tell it just for the listeners to give them a reminder because I think this is it's fun to go back and the podcast. Was basically started because I knew I couldn't finish anything, so I was like, you know, I wanted accountability and, and but how do you start an interview podcast if nobody knows who you are, you've right. never had anyone on who's you know as a name in anything, so how do you get that first yes? And I sent out a mass of invites, and some people were a little bit eh, maybe maybe not, and I remember sending an email to you and and you said yeah let's do it and then. The week after I said, okay, what time would be a good time to do this? And I expected, you know, well, let, let's do Thursday two weeks. So I'd had time to prepare. You know, I was speaking to one of the uh, the industry greats. Your YouTube channel was already pretty popular at that time. And uh, you just replied back saying, what about now? Like uh, uh, sent from my iPad. And I was like, I can't let this opportunity pass. But at the same time, I haven't prepared. It's midnight. What do I uh, panic? But I just said, okay, yes, 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 let's do it. Because I didn't know if, uh, if the opportunity was going to come that readily again. And, um, so we had the conversation and it was fantastic. And because you had been on so early, I was able to get a lot of other people on who knew of you. So I really need to thank you because you were one of the main reasons that the podcast started so well and had so many people who wanted to be on it because they'd, they'd seen that you had been on it. So, so that's the, the origin story for everyone out there.
1: The the reason I say how about now is because if we book some date in the future, I don't know if I'm gonna have a dentist appointment or I'm gonna be doing something else. If if I know I have the time right now, I'm I'm always like if if anything can be done now, I prefer to do it now.
0: Agreed, totally. The are hanging
1: out there the
0: better. But I had never interviewed anyone. That was before the first interview, and it was in a okay foreign language, sort of bilingual anyway. So that wasn't a big deal. But uh, just starting out I you know just so nervous because i would never done it before and it was you know like I said your YouTube channel was so popular everybody knew you because of the you know the back and forth with Benny at that time and oh, yeah. so it was just a really big deal for me and the fact that you just said now is like made it it was very cool and we it's great that we did it right there but it was also very nerve-wracking for me but I think we got through it uh, if people want to hear how I sounded in the beginning of the podcast compared to now, you can go back and listen to episode five with Steve. But we also talk a little bit more about your history, I believe. And we, we talk a little bit more about the background of Link. Uh, mm-hmm. so those uh, topics are, are kind of covered. But you said 11 languages in, in <laughs> wow. years. That's that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is where I think polyglots have a
1: problem. So you're asked how many languages can you speak or do you know? Okay. There are some languages that I speak very well. Uh, There's some that, you know, I did, I spent three months, three, four months on Persian and ended up with an exit interview, which I call an exit interview after (laughs) the study. And I can say certain things in Persian. I can go around to shopkeepers here in North Vancouver and and they get, by the way, the the, the Iranians, I have never seen a group of people that are so happy when you speak to them in their language. (laughs) but I can't really say that I speak it well. So obviously when you're, so should I not mention languages that I don't speak that well? Should I not, you know, I learned up my Greek and I went to Crete and I was using it happily. The same with Romanian, if someone came to me now and started speaking to me in Greek or Romanian, I would be incapable of saying much. And yet I know that if I had just a few days to go over some of the material that I had used, that I'd be right back to where I was and probably I would quickly improve so so i, I kind of look at it as you know you got for example moses mccormick right and so some people like to criticize moses because he's not perfect in all 55 or however many languages <laughs> to speak but that's fine like it's fun exploring languages whatever you put into the language it's there it doesn't go away yeah. and uh, you know like my korean i've gone back to it uh, several times and each time i i raise it a notch or two but i i'm not tremendous in korean it all counts in my opinion so
0: yeah i've noticed uh when I, I i've watched some of your videos and i noticed that you you often come back and do another let's say three months or, or another yeah. stint in the languages that you already know to, to kind of improve them so it's yeah. kind of a i guess a, a steady increase in level that you you always have a base that keeps going up so your bottom is always better than it was last time you did mm-hmm. a challenge or it's just like,
1: it's like you've got a, another bank account, <laughs> you know, and you can let it, the money sit there for a while and then you can go and put some more money in the bank account. Um, that's all. So it, it's not, so I, I don't, I think most so-called polyglots would probably claim really good fluency like your <laughs> podcast is actual fluency. And maybe <laughs> you half a dozen or so and maybe Richard Simcott or Luca might go for more. But uh, it starts to go downhill pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: But it's a funny question to ask polygots that you know speak a lot of languages because there's always a disclaimer or some kind of, well, you know, if you ask how many languages they speak, it's, there's always like a, a full sentence of explanation. And I get it as well. And it's like, what do you actually answer? Because speaking, it doesn't really mean anything. If you say one word, are you speaking the language? Do you need to be absolutely perfect? Well, so. Exactly. Everyone has that issue, even uh, from from kind of the, if you only knew a, a couple of languages like, like myself, but I think you're right in that most of the really top class polyglots, uh, some of my friends that I know from the community, they wouldn't claim to be very good at more than like half a dozen languages. I think that number sounds pretty good. And mm-hmm. then they probably have, you know, they could have 50 more in sort of various levels, but... You know, it's, it's always going to be a core group of languages that you, that you have, that everyone has, really.
1: I mean, it's so much fun. Like, I'm now sort of focusing my attention on sort of Middle East, Central Asia, Middle East. So it's a lot of fun to explore Turkish, Arabic, and, and Persian. They're in three different language families, but they share a significant amount of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And, of course, historically, culturally, they're, they're connected. So that it's it's very it's it's exciting to explore this. It's exciting to be able to read in those languages, to listen to podcasts that we kind of don't understand, but kind of are able to get snippets of. It's it's a great uh, you know. My wife and I were watching this Turkish uh, soap opera on Netflix, and I can't understand hardly anything except I pick <laughs> out a word here and a word there. It's fun.
0: Yeah, it's, and that's the most important uh, thing, isn't it? You gotta yeah, have fun, that's otherwise. Turkish, you know. Well. Yeah. So how did you, how do you pick your, your next project? Is it a sudden? It...
1: Stance, um, you know, uh, right now, for example, uh, my wife and I are going to, uh, Croatia, it's going to be our 50th, uh, wedding anniversary. So we figured oh, nice congratulations. he was originally going to come to Pukuoka, but then we lived there for nine years. So that's not, we're going to oh. go to Croatia. So we're now getting Serbo-Croat mini stories on LinkedIn and we're going to launch Serbo-Croat. So probably I'll have to kind of stop my Turkish and spend a couple of weeks on Serbo-Croat before I go there, because I think with my other Slavic languages, that's all I'll need in order yeah. to at least have a sense of what people are saying and stuff. So it's just circumstance. I had to go to Romania. So I learned Romanian we are going to go to Crete. So I learned, uh, you know, uh, Greek, um, but the Arabic, I was in uh, Israel and I initially tried to learn Hebrew and I didn't put enough time into it, of course. Uh, but then we went into Jordan and I said, hey, there's like 350 million Arabic speakers versus 10 million Hebrew speakers. I think I'll move over to Arabic. <laughs> so then I said, I've learned the writing system. There's a lot of uh, Farsi speakers here in uh, Vancouver. Why don't I you know, take advantage of the fact that I've learned the writing system then to learn Persian. So then I went into Persian. And then my wife started watching these Turkish uh, soap operas and television. So I said, geez, it, I should try to learn some Turkish. So it could be anything, it doesn't matter.
0: Right, yeah, that's amazing to just follow whatever the circumstances but, uh, are. <clears throat> if you like traveling or it, even if you like yeah. something on TV, I think. Uh, uh, and very often one language leads to another. So having learned Russian, I, I decided to go
1: after Czech, and Polish, and then Ukrainian. So, you know, learned up a bit of Slovak before going to Bratislava a couple of years ago. <laughs> Do you, so, and, and Czech are so close, it's hardly.
0: Do you always country. try to go traveling to the country that, of the language you're learning? Or is that are you learning the countries where you're going to go travel or both?
1: I don't like to arrive in a country without knowing some of the language. And, and I think even in terms of uh, using sort of travel as a means of learning a language, I always recommend that make sure you put a lot of effort into the language before you go. Because that way you can take advantage. Otherwise, if you arrive with zero knowledge, you won't be able to do anything. And I've had that experience. I've arrived in Vietnam or Myanmar knowing relatively little. And I and I had a phrase book. And at the end of the, a week, I still had only one phrase.
0: Hmm.
1: It's not that easy.
0: It's yeah, I moved easy. to Hungary. And I didn't know I was moving to Hungary. I was supposed to just be there for a, a, a week for a holiday. But then I decided to stay instead of moving to Berlin, where I was originally gonna move. Uh, and I was, found myself in a country where I didn't understand anything. And I thought, okay, I'll just learn it. But actually immersion, I think is great if you have a base because then you can connect it to something. If you have absolutely nothing, I think sometimes it even it's even working against you because it's just a complete nightmare. I mean, you don't know anything. You don't have anything to start from. So I found it extremely difficult to get started on a language in the country. Um, and I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. So definitely get some <laughs> language study in before a few months before at least, uh, just to have that base because otherwise it's impossible.
1: And even if you have some of the language, uh, you always have to arrange some speaking partners before you get there. You arrive there and you hope that you're going to walk into a store or into a cafe or sit in a bar and start a conversation. Forget it. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, when I, after spending a fair amount of time on Czech when I had two online tutors and I arranged that I would spend, uh, you know, a couple of hours with each of them every day. So, I had guaranteed five or six hours of speaking every day in Prague. The same with Ukrainian. I went to Lviv, I had my teacher there and we had actually six hours a day. I, that was, I hardly recommend that. We would meet <laughs> for coffee at eight and we speak for three hours. Or we would tour the city and everything's in Ukrainian. And then she writes out all of my mistakes and phrases onto her little iPhone and she sends it to me. And then at noon, I go home in my apartment and I study it in Link. I import it as a lesson. And then I meet her again at two and then we tour something else in the city. And I did that wow. for five days. But <laughs> you have to organize it. Or if you're in a, a low wage country, the most sort of uh, economical uh, language teachers are the taxi drivers. So you can just jump in a Uber or something and talk for, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, just go in a circle. <laughs> just go in circles.
1: Yeah. You guys right. can talk, so there's never a problem in, in getting them to talk.
0: Yeah, sometimes. I think the most talkative people are probably hairdressers, but uh, okay, that sounds dangerous. Uh, also, if you don't know how to say what you'd like to have done, <laughs> exactly. you get in. Sometimes it's the hard part is to get them to stop talking, I, I find, in. <laughs> The stop, I didn't stop talking. Yeah, there's too much. No, that's really cool. And what also something you probably get asked a lot is when you look at all these like polygods and the websites and YouTube channels, it's all twenty-five year old males single, traveling all the time. And people say, Oh, it's easy for you. You can you don't have a, a you know, a family, you don't have you don't have to be anywhere, you, you, you don't have it doesn't cost much to travel that way and or you can just learn all the languages you want. And you're clearly not in that category. So I'm sure you get questions about how can you uh, you know, put so much effort into languages and, and the traveling. Because you travel a lot as well, I've noticed. Um, so how do you plan out your, your travel? Is it based on holidays or do you just, whenever you see something interesting, you book the the, the trip or is there a, a system to it we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsor italki but we'll be right back on this podcast i've interviewed hundreds of language learners some of the world's greatest polyglots and industry experts and one thing they all agree on is the value of one-to-one tutoring lessons and for this i highly recommend italki they have thousands of teachers in all price ranges and they even have certified teachers who have taken diplomas or have degrees in the language you're learning. So whether you're just brushing up on your Italian ahead of a trip to Rome, or you want to master Russian to take the uh, exam, or whatever your goals are in languages, italki has a tutor suitable for you. And compared to private tutoring offline, it's really affordable. You can find informal tutors down to $5 an hour, or, and you can have trial lessons for even less. So if you want to master a language uh, from the comfort of your own home, and you even get a $10 credit when you complete your first lesson, go to languageteacher.co and check out italki. It might be the best thing you do for your language learning this year.
1: Well, I mean, obviously I'm retired, so I don't uh, have any obligations work-wise. I don't know. I'd like to go and see different countries. Either we go with friends or my wife and I go
0: um you know my last languages. in
1: ukraine i wanted to follow up uh, because i had been uh communicating with these people in the war zone helping them a little bit and i wanted to see what they were doing and then i decided i'd have them you know stop by lviv again and refresh my ukrainian um you know we're going to japan now croatia It's it, i have no plans but it seems one for one reason or another and my wife likes to play golf, so this we're going to Croatia, and then we're going to Spain. We're going to Girona near Barcelona, where she found some golf clinic. So okay, so <laughs> do that. But uh, so there's two, three issues in your question really. One is uh, planning my travel. I don't plan; I just mm-hmm. go. Uh, B, uh, there is an issue. If you're young, twenty-five year old traveling all the time, you can spend as much time as you want. And if you say, okay, now I'm gonna learn language X, I can go find a girlfriend in language X, I can travel to the country, there's no limit. You know, once you're, you know, a grandpa with family, with wife and grandchildren and the social network of people and other activities and the wife likes to play golf and all the rest of it, you have two hours a day to devote to language. Uh, and by making sure that I listen to language while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm cleaning up the garage, while I'm exercising, while I'm in the car. So that takes care of at least an hour of it. So then I have to find another hour to sit down and read and try to learn. So yeah. that's that's I can't just go out and do whatever I want. People say, well, you know, you I say I have no one to speak to and say Russian or you know whatever, Greek here in Vancouver. Oh no, there's lots of Greeks in Vancouver. Yeah, but I'm not going to spend my day you know, chasing down Greeks somewhere in Vancouver just to have I have I have other things happening in my life. So it's diff- different. If you're 25 and you're totally committed to Greek and you take off and you spend six mi- months on a Greek island and have a yeah. Greek girlfriend and that kind of stuff, But no, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I'm sure some people are listening. They say, "Oh, he's retired; he can spend 10 hours a day." But actually, with all the commitments and your family, that hour a day becomes key and and consistency, yeah. I guess, is more important than the amount of hours, anyway.
1: I find that the uh... The listening is very important because I listen and that's so easy to do. I get up, I put it on my earphone, I prepare breakfast. I listen, I don't understand. So now I'm motivated to read because I didn't understand what I was listening to. So the, the listening A is very important. People don't listen enough. No. If I look at people's statistics on link, sometimes people ask me to analyze the profile. People don't listen enough. Like I've been in uh, in the Turkish now for 13 days. I looked at my statistics, I've listened to 18 hours. Mm. Perfect. that's a lot okay. yeah there's people in six months who don't listen to 18 hours <laughs> the they're trying to learn. <laughs> so listening is key and that triggers the rest of it
0: yeah and i think that's a we're in this gamification age now where you almost have to do something active uh, whether it's with your fingers or your brain where you have to click some buttons or do a game or otherwise you feel like you're not doing anything but actually that kind of input of of i mean people people are not reading enough anyway either so it's okay. a question of what are people actually doing but yeah definitely listening and also for the pronunciation you know how do you, how are you going to be able to pr- uh, you know say the words correctly if you haven't heard them let's say over and over again
1: the listening gives you some momentum because when you're reading in a foreign language inevitably you're sub vocalizing right if you read in your own language, typically you just fly over it. It's meaning you don't necessarily pronounce it to yourself in your head. But when you're reading in a foreign language, I find that I tend to subvocalize. vocalize That's why the listening is so important because I've heard it so often now, You know, because I'll typically listen to the same stuff many, many times. So then I have this momentum going into my reading. So even though if I were to say it out loud, I would say it wrong, but at least in my mind, I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's and a good point. And then, uh, but, and it's interesting, I'm going to do a video, in fact, tomorrow, and I'm going to show the difference, because it's very important to be active in the language. Like at length, we measure activity. We don't measure the outcome because as long as you're active, you'll, you'll improve. So we measure the reading, the listening and all the stuff. And there's different ways of being active. There's sometimes, you know, I don't want to read this thing for the 10th time. So then maybe I want to do my flashcards, but then I can do the flashcards. I can do dictation, for example. Mm. I can go through a story in, sentence by sentence and hear the natural voice. You've now set it up timestamp so you can hear the natural voice for that sentence. I can try to imitate the intonation of that person and say it out loud. So, So these are things where I'm not increasing my vocabulary, but I'm getting deeper into the language, a better sense of the pronunciation, if I do the dictation, I get a better sense of, of um, how it's written, because, for example, in Turkish. So I've read so many words where the the letter C is pronounced J. Okay, but when you get dictation for the first time and you get a word that has J, you know, project or whatever, all of a sudden I don't remember that C is J. So I write a J, <laughs> and then it comes back J C, and so you you think you know certain things. But by going in more deeply in these activities, you discover, in fact, where some of the missing, uh, you know, where the gaps are.
0: And then I go back to more reading and listening. So I think the key thing is to be active. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. And I think a lot of people also struggle a little bit to fit in the language learning if they have, you know, kids and family and years and everything. So the idea of, filling up your chores with listening i think is a fantastic idea because we all have we all have a smartphone these days where you can play oh. podcasts or or any kind of audio so if you are doing the dishes anywhere or if you're on the train or commute in the car even you know that just get that uh, kind of listening done there where you have some t- extra time you're actually adding hours to the day i suppose yeah, really. uh, you don't need to set aside a, a dedicated hour I mean, ideally, of course, but some people are just they can't do that. So fill up the, the dead space in a way. And, yeah, you know, doing the dishes is so much more fun if you have something to listen to anyway, right? <laughs> so I was wondering, so it's been five years since we last talked on the podcast anyway. We met in Prasava a few years ago. But uh, I was wondering, is there anything that you've, you've, changed in your kind of approach to language learning in in those five years, like any kind of methods or any things you used to believe was really good that maybe now isn't so good or vice versa?
1: I think the biggest thing that has changed is the impact of our mini stories, which is not something that we invented. Uh, I got it from uh, Piotr of realpolish.pl. If you ever learn Polish, you got to go to his website. And he says he got it from AJ Hold, who has this. uh, Learn English.
0: uh, Effortless
1: effortless English, who in turn got it from some other group of people. And it's these point of view stories, uh, right? The same story repeats, like, uh, I did something or uh, you will do something. So the tense and the person changes. And then there's a bunch of questions. So the same words and phrases repeat three, four, five, six times within the same story.
0: uh, Ah.
1: What that has done for me, it has, first of all, significantly sped up my learning. Uh, So for Greek, for Persian, for for Arabic. I mean, I was speaking with my Persian tutor after two months, whereas it took me eight months to speak to my Czech tutor, even though with Czech, I had done Russian. So I had a lot of, you know, the grammar is essentially the same, vocabulary is 60% the same. So, and with that, I start speaking earlier. And with that now, I appreciate the role of the tutor more because what the tutor does with me is that she, usually it's a she, will write out, will create a sort of a file, a document with all of my, not all, but enough of my words and phrases that I had trouble with. So I get this from her and she records it. So I have these three, four, five, six minute recordings. And I have, in each of my languages, going back to when I first started, I have, five, six minutes of each of our conversations, not the whole conversation, but but things that I had difficulty with. So I, I go back to them and I review them six months ago, eight months ago. I find that is a tremendous assist. So the only thing, so it's still input based, but I'm getting to output earlier because the mini stories give me phrases that I can use earlier. My comprehension, which is key to any, I, I can't connect with a tutor if I don't understand what the tutor is saying. So you have to get to some level of comprehension, have some vocabulary before you can speak. And the mini stories, albeit on a more limited range of vocabulary, get me there earlier. And then I actually appreciate once or twice a week having that interaction with the tutor. Whereas if we go back to, I mean, I, I think I did check back in, I can't remember when it was, two, might've been five, six years ago. As I say, I took, it took me seven or eight months before I, I felt that I could engage with a tutor where I felt that I would understand what they were saying, that I would have some things to say beyond, hello, my name is. So that's, that's, I think the big thing is to
0: Right. And do you facilitate that via link or do you have to go on, do find your own tutor per language?
1: Uh, with regard to the tutors, if I can find the tutor on link, that's what I prefer to do because A, it supports our site and B, the format is there. They know what they have to do. They can record and add the recording and I'll get, the thing back as a lesson but languages where we don't have tutors uh then i go to to italki and i ask them and i I find someone who's willing to do what i want them to do (laughs) (laughs) which isn't difficult increasingly all the tutors know that they've got to provide you with a list of of your words and phrases
0: yeah, or at least that it's not just speaking to you. Uh, you know, that, that there's something else uh, usually expected. Uh, I think I,
1: I'm the, now, in, even in Persian and in, in, in Arabic, I say I would like you to give me a uh, you know a list of my Okay, I'll give you a Google document. Bingo, the Google document pops up. They're pretty yeah. swift, I think, the tutors.
0: Yeah, swift. I think the competition is definitely because there's so many tutors on Italki. You know, you can't right. afford to be like a bad tutor because then you just right. get bad ratings and then you never get a new student so that's nice to see that the the quality has definitely gone up and oh yeah people are using these uh these methods mm-hmm. uh, so one one controversial uh thing that i've seen in the last few years is the silent period uh oh, yeah. so just to just to uh maybe talk about that a little bit you, you said that before you start speaking with a tutor and this is something I agree on as well I think it's a bit silly to have a tutoring lesson the first lesson you do the language you should have some kind of base so you actually have something to use with the tutor but that doesn't mean that you you don't speak for I forget what the original theory was was it like three months or something but what do you think of the the silent period And, and do you do you do any of that in in your learning like how long is that period before you start Well, first
1: of all, my position has always been that you should speak when you want to speak. Right. Speak when they want. There's no obligation uh, to speak. And uh, in fact, I think often in traditional language class, they put too much pressure on people to speak. Mm -hmm. And even correctly, when they have very little chance of doing that and puts pressure on them, and either they can't speak as well as the other kids in the class, or they they don't like listening to the other kids in class. So To me, it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And then, but there was, and, and I was recently corrected, I had said, I had heard that there's a, a school in Thailand that says, you must not speak for the first six months. In other words, they're forbidden to speak. That's wow. what I comment. So I, I commented somewhere that I didn't think that was very smart. <laughs> if I live in Thailand, if I know how to point at a banana and say, banana, I'm going to do that. So they came back and said, no, that's not what they're saying. And that they're actually saying, speak when you want to speak but okay. they encourage people to wait until they uh, um, have enough of the language. I don't think you can ingrain bad habits. I don't think that's an issue. Uh, I think the only issue is when do you feel comfortable speaking? And when you, and, and they're like, I am very self-motivated. So I don't need a tutor. I don't need a tutor to teach me the language I can Google for Turkish verbs. I'll find all the information I need. I don't need the Turkish tutor to explain Turkish verbs to me. Right. Not everyone is equally motivated. Uh, Some people probably will only, the only thing they do is talk to the tutor because they are not motivated to, to do anything on their own. So, and in between, there's a whole range of people who, some require the tutor to prod them, to encourage them. Other people don't. For me, the tutor is someone I talk to, mm. someone who will create a record of some of the things I had trouble seeing and send me that as a file and as an audio file. That's all I require. Yeah, And of course, that personal interaction is motivating because you do wanna show your tutor that over time you improve. So you're putting all that effort into, you know, she sends me all these mistakes. Of course, I get the same mistakes wrong the second time. I see the same mistake. <laughs> week after week after week. So it's not as if this is gonna correct me, but it's it's an opportunity to interact with a person, to review that interaction. And so it's input, it's also output. I'm trying to use what I've learned. But as for when that should begin, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters whether you start after one month, three months, or six months. Uh, But I have found now with and I think Link is better than it was five years ago. And with the mini stories, I am starting earlier. Like with Turkish, I've been at it for less than two weeks. I think in another two weeks, I want to start looking for two. Hmm. So that's very early compared to where I was previously.
0: Right. So you you've sped up even. that. That's yeah. that's really impressive.
1: Absolutely sped
0: up. <laughs>
1: Absolutely <laughs> and I learned Persian. I, after three months in Persian, I was far ahead of where I was in Czech. Even though Czech is written in a Latin alphabet and shares so much vocabulary and almost all the grammar with Russian, which I had already done.
0: Right, and obviously you have a, a big uh, YouTube channel, lots of videos, and and lots of people watch the videos. So you must get tons of questions. What are what are some of your favorite questions? Maybe some of the <laughs> maybe you have some questions that you uh, are not a big fan of. Maybe a pet peeve there somewhere. Uh, or some um, some common issues that people have
1: well of course there's you know there are people who follow my youtube channel because they find it motivating and they generally appreciate because i try to convey this idea that you can do it as, and it doesn't matter you know don't compare yourself to others enjoy the language if you enjoy the language you'll improve the brain learns so put in the time enjoy it and you'll improve so there are those, and generally those comments are very appreciative. Uh, there are also people who are on link, so questions come up that relate to link. And the biggest problem people have with link, in my opinion, is those that understand. Like, first of all, you have those that don't understand, it and they go away. And they can, <laughs> we're working on making it easier to understand. But those people who want to nail down the lesson, like they'll stay on that one lesson until they have like 100% mastered it. And so I have to explain, don't do that. Don't put pressure on yourself to understand it. Don't put pressure on yourself to remember anything. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. When you feel like it, move on. You understand half, move on. I think that's the biggest problem. People are reluctant to claim that they know a word. Let's just say you know it. You think you know it in this context? No. Next time you see it in a different context, you don't know it, you link it again. Unknown, big deal. People are too uptight. Too sort of perfectionist in their approach, whereas to me it's like it's like um, I don't know it's like swimming. you Just keep going. You know, it doesn't matter. It'll eventually. It'll if enough of it washes over you, you'll somehow pick it up. You, you won't know why you picked it up, but you did. So I think that kind of question. People who are too uptight. Mm. Uh, that's a very common question. And then you got the sort of snarly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid old windbag, you're boring. Like, why would you go on someone's YouTube? No way. Like, most people who find me boring don't come back. You know.
0: That's okay. Yeah, exactly. Don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch it. Yeah, I find it. Uh, well, obviously, YouTube comments are notorious for uh, kind of the trolls and the the haters. So maybe it's just part of the platform. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. part of the platform. But I think the one thing that hasn't changed much is the kind of that the way to learn languages, the advice that's been going out. If you were talking about this last five years and I haven't seen, you know, I like to follow a lot of the software, a lot of the books and methods. I haven't seen any revolution in terms of that. We're suddenly being able to, you know, like the matrix where they just get a plug in and they just French downloaded, you know, there hasn't been that. So I think the fundamentals still apply that, we already touched on consistency and getting a lot of input doing the output. So you get to practice it. But at the end of the day, it can probably be summarized as you just have to do the work, whether that's, you know, uh, eight hours a day, like Benny did for some of his projects, or it's one hour a day uh, where you can fit it in consistency is really key and you will get where you want to be eventually.
1: I mean, uh, one very interesting book that I read in German, is written by this German neuroscientist called Manfred Spitzer. It's called Lenin, I can't remember what it was, but it talks about the brain. And one of the statements in there was, the brain learns. The brain cannot do other than learn, because the brain is constantly reacting to experience, right, and creating networks, neural connections, to deal with that experience. Otherwise, we couldn't operate, we couldn't function, right? The brain is constantly you know getting you to a point where you can almost anticipate what's going to happen because we've seen it before that's what mm-hmm. the brain does the brain learns but then he adds but the brain learns slowly right
0: that's very, important, very yeah, be- important yeah because i'm sure there are people listening and and they watch the videos or they watch other polyglots who have had many many years of experience learning languages and they get really fine say 3 months like you did with with persian And they think, oh, it's just a talent thing, and I could never do that. But, you know, that's years and years of experience, right? So you can't compare yourself too harshly to to other people. I think that's a big one as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was Katolom, Hungarian polyglot, who had this formula where she, she said attitude and time, you know, divided by, and she put inhibition, uh, but I would broaden that to be any kind of resistance or, or constraint. So so it's part of attitude, but if you don't think you can do it, if you don't like the language, if you're not confident that the way you're learning is right, like if, if whatever resistance there is, is gonna re- require more time or a more positive attitude. But if there's little resistance, if you, you're learning Persian, I'm gonna be Persian You know what I mean? I like the language. I know that I'll get there if I just keep doing, and I don't get frustrated because I can't remember stuff. So I think the experienced polyglots, uh, they just, there's just less resistance. They're just confident that as long as I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to, wherever I get to, I'll get to, Uh, uh, you know, it's not a race and and I know I'm learning, but I also know that I'm learning slowly. I'm not going to learn quickly.
0: Yeah, it's a funny balance, isn't it? Because I'm sure somebody listening to this would say, "Yeah, yeah, Steve, I, I get it. I need to be more confident in myself." But I've never learned a foreign language before. I'd really like to do it, but I'm not sure I can. Like, I, I'm not sure how you would convince that. I mean, obviously, I've talked to hundreds of uh, of fantastic and amazing polyglots. So I've I've kind of been, uh, I've hit been hit with a tidal wave of uh, kind of inspiration and and proof that it can be done, but for the the person listening just thinking what there is um if there, that person has any kind of is there any way for them to to get involved uh, if they're if they're excited about it i think it's extremely difficult mm.
1: and i see this in immigrants here in canada who claim that they want learning uh, they go to the esl school but they're not really into it they go home and watch chinese television and and some of them try kind of at some level, and and what has to happen is something has to come along, like uh, boyfriend girlfriend, or they're very interested in the TV program, or they're interested in I don't know. They got something has got to catch you, mm. and so then you're not doing it so much to learn the language as you're doing it because you're motivated by this thing. It could be a Turkish soap opera. It doesn't matter. Something has to come along that pulls you through. And then once you've learned a second language and you know you can do it, then it becomes easier and easier. You've got the momentum going, but... The momentum. But to try to... For someone who has never experienced becoming comfortable in a second language, they don't think they can do it. They don't think they can do it. And that's a big obstacle.
0: That's a big obstacle if you overcome it. That's very uh, laudable if if, if you do uh, overcome that exactly it's a big challenge is that the biggest challenge in languages just the conquering the self that sounds like the the art of war almost or oh, wait is that the art of war i mean it's it's the idea that like i'm here talking to you and you're speaking a
1: second language and yet you speak it better than most natives <laughs> <laughs> are you too kind no but i mean people can learn other languages and, yeah. and you don't have to speak as well as you do. Like, there are people I've dealt with all my life, say, in English, in business, people from Germany, from Sweden, even the Swedes. And we say, you know, they all speak English so well. I mean, you have them. They make the same mistakes all the time. Of course. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know if the Danes do that, but they, they never say, there are. Right. They it is. Yeah. It is many people in China. It is many people in China. But even yeah. totally fluent people say that so so there's always going to be some sign by the way i don't haven't noticed any of that in your english so you must totally bilingual but it doesn't matter i am sure that in the languages that i speak very well there are anglicisms in there it doesn't matter but people can get to a state where they're totally comfortable in explaining anything they understand everything it doesn't matter if they have an accent it doesn't matter if they get the odd phrase that reflects you know, like the Germans.
0: I have been living in Canada since <laughs> so many years. No, it's not. So many. Yeah. I, I know people like that. That's uh, yeah. a good, a good uh, impersonation <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, uh, where can we? Uh, where are we going to meet again? Is it going to be Montreal yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the language festival? People can come yeah. and uh, and say hi to you there. Absolutely. Get an autograph and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. An autograph copy of of Link, and that'd be great. Um, cool. But yeah, Steve, time has flown by as per usual, and uh, yeah, I, I it, enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I really like it. I think I didn't intend for this to happen before the episode, but it's really been a true catch up. You know, we we've gone around a, a lot of the topics, and we're looking back at, at the last few years. And I really enjoyed it. That was that was great.
1: Absolutely, same here. And I look forward to getting together over coffee or a glass of wine in Montreal.
0: Yeah, that's going to be great. So just for uh, the last thing, is, where can people find you, find more about you or uh, maybe if they want to get involved with Link, is there any uh, special way they can start doing well, that? Well, Link of course is lingq.com which they can find on
1: the internet. I'm Steve at Link if they ever want to send me an email. I have my YouTube channel, Lingo Steve, and they're welcome to come and have a look and subscribe if they want um yeah that's about it dot com is my blog and uh i certainly would love to meet up with anyone that's going to be in montreal
0: lovely city highly recommend it and i haven't been to the last two uh Langfests, but the first one i was at was a fantastic experience and the the organizational team did a really good job especially considering it's the first time they did any and the weather should be fantastic at that time as well we hope fantastic well thank you so much for taking the time steve and uh, can't wait till the till the next catch up but uh, let's awesome. not wait five years this time <laughs> anytime perfect thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the actual Fluency podcast i really appreciate having you here today just before you leave i just want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor which is italki italki is a tutoring platform where you can find affordable tutors for every language in the world pretty much so get started today and get a free ten dollar credit when you book your first lesson if you go to actualfluency.com forward slash italki that's spelled i-t-a-l-k-i so give it a go and feel how tutoring can really boost and enhance your language learning